Praise God. Everybody settle in? Everybody went to the bathroom? Hi, if everybody doesn't know us, my name is Joshua. This is my wife, Lee. We're ministers here at the church. And, uh, we're just going to bless you guys today with a, a word that God has put on our hearts. And just prepare us for a wonderful Jeez, what's up with these lights? Prepare us for like a wonderful year, you know, just God just moving upon us and things we've been asking God for. We're just going to see those things come to pass. So you want to say a prayer? I'm just going to sure. say a prayer. Amen. Good morning, everyone. What a good, good father we have. Amen. Gosh, thank you, Ephraim and the worship team for bringing that song into the house of God for all of us to be able to worship with. That song is so dear to me and for reasons that I've shared in my testimony and I pray that that song would continue to bless you and just resonate in your spirit throughout the week. That we serve a good, good father. Amen. 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 Why don't we stand up for a moment? Why don't we stand as we pray? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Lord, we just acknowledge you this morning. We thank you for everything that you are on the inside of us. We thank you that you woke us up this morning to breathe another breath, and we thank you that in you we find all of our answers. And so this morning, God, I ask that you would come with the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, with the spirit of comfort and strength for your people. There's nothing that Josh and I can say this morning that will have an impact or resonate with your people unless your spirit is behind it. And so, Father, we rely on you, and in all our inadequacies, we give our weaknesses to you, Lord, that you might move strongly through us, God, and that you might pierce the hearts of your people this morning, that this word would fall on good ground and good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I was going to share a, a small word that God had given me for the new year. You know, every year I pray, God, you know, you know, give me something, you know, to, to just motivate me, to keep me going through the year, to stay focused, even when things are going crazy and out of control. And this is the word that the Lord gave me. He said, I am sending my people out to bring in the harvest. I am sending them, them as lambs among wolves. And what they will do will bring me great joy. But my people won't move. My people are distracted. He said, the laborers are few, but the, har the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now go. The title of our message today is, This Changes Everything. You know, when I heard that word, when she picked that word, I said, that sounds pretty good based on what we're doing. But this changes everything, really, it, something's going to change everything. I don't know where you're at in your stage in your life right now, or where you're in God, or in your circumstances, but everything's about to change. Everything is going to change. One way or the other, whether you want to move or not, something's going to change in your life. And we want to encourage you today to see that to stay on the path where God is about to take you rather than go backwards. Because no matter what, in this church and in our body and what God is doing in his people, something's about to break and change. So we want to pray that you guys are in the right place and we're all in the right place together, okay? Distractions. I'm going to share a funny story that happened to me. We went to Virginia and... We went on this one of these uh, simulated rides inside the Air and Space Museum. Now, I don't like rides at all. If anybody knows me, I hate roller coasters. Anything, if I'm not driving the car and the car is moving too fast, I'm getting nervous, you know? So we get in the simulator. My son first gets in and he jumps out. He's like, I don't want to go in there. I don't know what's going to happen in there. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going in. I'll go in, no problem. I went on a roller, I went on a dragon coaster before, <laughs> right, Playman? So I, <laughs> so I, I almost died in that, but anyway. 
I got in into the machine, and all of a sudden, I look at the screen, and the screen is like the crappy. You ever seen an old video game that's green, and you can tell they haven't upgraded? The screen is like that. And I'm like, first of all, this thing is all blurry and everything. I don't want to sit in this thing and for God knows how two minutes is. That's too long for me to be in a machine like that. Next thing you know it, um, the door is closed, and it begins to like get into the set where it's supposed to do. So then it jerks, and all of a sudden, I start getting nauseous. I'm like, oh, God. I, 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 put a I actually put the timer on my phone. To see how long it was gonna be two minutes, two minutes, it's two minutes. And I put the time on my phone to see if I could just focus on the phone. It did not work. And I was looking for a way out. Everything in me was scared, frightened. I said, I need a way out of this thing. And all of a sudden on the screen pops up, in case of emergency, press the big red button on top of the ceiling. I was like, oh, they should have never told me that. I just pressed that thing real fast. <laughs> and the whole machine shook. Everybody's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? They opened the door and I jump out. I said, it's me. I, I, I can't go. So I'm sorry. My kids are apologizing to everybody inside the machine. I true could not story. take it. So what happened? I said true story. True story. That's true. Everything is true about me. When it comes to roller coasters. But I jumped out and I was like, I told my wife, Yo, I couldn't do it. I was going to vomit. I couldn't stay in there. I was sitting in the back. The thing was shaking. It was all blurry in there. And then God told me this. Based on that situation, that's what God told me. He said, when things are not easy for you or you can't see clearly or you don't feel, you don't feel it at the moment or you're not feeling good at the moment, we try to look for escape to jump out of it. And where we're at in our lives right now, the plateau and the season we're at right now, you cannot look for that exit, that exit strategy in this situation. Too many of us as the body of Christ are trying to run. They're trying to jump ship. Things are hard right now. Things ain't working out. Things are not the way you have been asking God for, you're praying about, and we're looking for that button to jump ship. But I'm going to share a couple of scriptures with you. It's about three people that are along the road when Jesus was performing many miracles and doing many signs and miracles, Along the road, three people come to him and ask to follow him. I'm going to read from Luke 9, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. It's raining now. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I want to address the first person. When I look, looked at the first person, I was looking up all these commentaries and everything that everybody say. I said the first person is the guy that's looking for the glamorous life. This is the one that's distracted by the world's treasures. You ever seen the, so much on TV, we watch these prosperity preachers, and everything's about a million dollars, so you know if you come to Christ, and if I somehow join a ministry, uh, I'll be driving a Benz too. You know, I'll be living in a mansion. And we have this, this vision of how Christianity is, so we start searching for those things. And I'm pretty sure Jesus saw his heart and was like, you know what? If this guy is coming to me, he's eager to follow us, I'm going to address the, maybe the issue that's in his heart. And the issue in his heart was that he's following after worldly possessions. Things that are desiring the world. Think, if I follow you, I will receive this. Or maybe I'll receive that house that I'm looking for. You know, or maybe I'll see an income that will, that will get me out of my job situation. I just want to let you know right now that in Christ, there are blessings. God makes a way and God provides for us. But if our hearts are, are seeking after what the world has and trying to use what the church and to, to receive those things, I say that's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place to be loving God and, and ministering to people, but expecting a, a, such an increase of return. 
that will financially give you what you've been desiring for the, for in the world. So the job couldn't get it for you. The, the, the business couldn't work. It wasn't working out for you. I don't know. The, <laughs> I was going to say it's a welfare. But whatever. You know, the, I, I just know somebody that he was like, he was dying to get on welfare. If I get the food stamps, I'd be happy. But anyway. But like desiring certain things that the world could give us and using the church as that, at that venue. That's dangerous. The second person that, I, that, that God gave me, showed me is the religious one. This is the one that uh, is distracted by, by practices, the family practice, just good practices that, I'll, I'll give you an example. You ever get in a situation where you have like a grandmother or a mother and they, they, they need you a lot, they really need you, and your whole life is surrounded by doing those things for them, but you haven't gone to do the work of the Lord because you're so busy doing somebody else's, you know, helping somebody else? The deception is in that is that we're supposed to help people. We're supposed to love people. But it's somehow along the line, people manipulate that and trap us into things where we're stuck for a long period of time doing something that we don't want to really do. You know, I had a dream one time where I was, uh, I was in a tower and I saw these wild animals coming to, to try to attack us. I told my wife, whatever you do, don't open the door. As I was in a tower, I was fighting off all these animals and wild animals were coming to the point. And I, I don't know what the animal was. I don't know what it was. Probably a mixture, of breed or something. It came up and they said, you're supposed to help us. And then I woke up. So I went to Pastor Gary and said, yo, Barry, you got to help me with this dream. I, I, I'm clueless of what's going on with this thing. And he said, these are people that don't desire to do things for themselves. They want the church to do everything for them. They want you to pray for them. They want you to bring them through. They want you to break demons in their house. They want you to do all these things. But them themselves will never do it. And they say, well, you're supposed to help me. Isn't that what God gave you? Isn't the authority that you have? Isn't that the place that you're supposed to be? You're supposed to help me. And they drain you. And they take everything from you. And you're so focused on helping all these other people rather than doing what God has actually called you to do. Not to say that God doesn't call you to do those things, but he don't call you to do that for one person all day long and all the time. I believe God wants to get to a place where we realize and set boundaries with people and say, you know what, that's my word for the year, boundaries, just in case. <laughs> set boundaries, healthy boundaries where I don't feel bad if I can't be there 24 hours a day. I can't be. I got to be there for my family. What are you going to neglect in the process of trying to help all these people? Because they say, you're supposed to help us. What, what gets neglected in that? Your family, your job, your sleep. The kingdom is there. We're going to follow the kingdom. We're going to do what God says to do. But we don't want to be distracted by those things. Here's another one, the third one. The third one, I call him the stuck in temptation by friends. The guy asks his permission to go back. Let me just say bye to my friends. Let me, how many people have friends that are, I don't care if they're believers or not believers, but they're not really on the same page that you're at when you call to God to do the work of the Lord. Sometimes you have people that are around you that they just, I just talk about draining. It's like a draining thing. Like you're just feeding them. Now, I remember we went to a youth convention and they were talking about there's three types of friends. There's the ones that you look to, for, to, to get wisdom, understanding, and teach you. There's the ones that are in the same place that you're at, and there's ones that you speak into. You need to identify which one your friend is. Because you may be, be with a person that you need to speak life into them and teach them and, and, and show them the way, but you, they're the ones that are, that are, are, are they're not equal with you. They're actually those people that you need to minister to. And we follow them as those, you know what I'm going through, right? You're sharing your pearls with a swine. You're like, yo, help me out, help me out. And they don't know what you're talking about. All they want to talk about is, is what they're struggling, their boyfriends or something like that. You got you to think about where that, where that category is because we're being distracted. We're being taken away from the road. We've been taken away from the focus of what God is calling us to do. And God is calling us now for a mighty harvest. He's calling us all out. All of us are being called out to do the call of the Lord. 
But though these distractions are preventing us, we, don't, we keep on finding that red button and pressing the stop button to jump out of. We're finding scapegoats, excuses, why we don't do these things. Well, I, there's no money in that, or, or I don't feel happy in that. I'm not, I'm not pleased with that. No one's looking for me. No one's acknowledging me. We make all these excuses. Why not to do the kingdom, the work of the Lord? But this is, you guys told me this is uh, our sweet 16. I know that sounds like girly, right? Because guys don't do sweet 16. But you watch Cribs and MTV, they do sweet 16, these boys. But, but this is our, M, this is, I'll say M16. Oh, my God, look at that. Let's shoot that away. This is our sweet 16. This is a wonderful year for us. That's crazy, right? I know what M16, I try to get manly because I said C16. That's what it was. Fully off for life. Fully off for life. But anyway, it's our season. This is our season, what we've been waiting for. This changes everything. We're about to enter a fast. This is our fast week. This is the week where we put things down. We surrender things that are, that are interfering with our daily lives, things that are distracting us from God, things that are distracting us from our family and the things we're looking for. If it's fine, I'm going to start off with finances. If it's finances that you're going through, you're having trouble with your finances, I just want to say just leave that to the Lord. Trust God. Some of us have jobs where it's so beautiful, the money we get, and God is calling us to do something else, but we won't let go of that because we're so comfortable and so content that we have. And they said, well, give me something else that matches that, and then I'll go follow you. Some of us, it's, it's, it's just family and friends. Some of us, you have to choose. You have to lay down some people. In a fast, you know, normally a fast is to let down food, right? But in back in the days, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have Nintendos and stuff like that. Most of the people weren't married, you know. They just, they were fast to, to sac- bring a sacrifice on, to get, regain their focus and to put all our trust in God. But there are so many other things that we do that interfere with us. Our daily lives. Every time you talk to somebody, they're on the phone, you know? <laughs> I had this thing with my wife. We was, this morning, she, I talked to her, and she's laughing. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny, right? And she's like, oh, no, I'm not talking to you. This is funny, look. <laughs> you know, how many times were we so distracted in, in other things that we don't even know what's going around around us? God is calling us to wake up. We don't want to be left in the dirt. We don't want to be left where everybody's moving forward and we're stuck going backwards. Because this, this fast, I believe, it's not the fast that we're putting our focus in that's going to change everything, but it's us laying things down and saying yes to Jesus finally. Saying yes to his way, saying yes to what he wants us to do, not what we want to do anymore. Yes, there's going to be blessings in it. There's going to be wonderful things going to happen. God's going to move. He's going to be pleased with it. But we got to let it go. We got to set it down. I wanted to, you know, you ever see those Navy SEALs? I was watching, was it G.I. Jane? She was trying to be a Navy SEAL. I was going to say Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Demi Moore. In that rigorous training, it's so difficult. It's so hard. It's so brutal. It takes energy. It takes your mind. Everything to just really focus on that thing. But when you can't do it no more, they have this bell in the middle of the beach. And you'll walk to that bell and ring that bell and say, I give up. I'll give up. I'll give up. And I've been noticing too many people in the body of Christ been ringing that bell. They haven't been there 20 years. They haven't been there 10 years. They've been there one or two years, and they're already ringing the bell and say, I give up. I can't go no more. I can't follow you. I can't, I can't see this happening. I put all my effort. I put all my strengths. Now is the season we need to lay that down. And I'm here to tell you that even in this fast, though it's a short week, we're doing it. And if you want to continue, you can do it, continue it longer. I'm telling you, this is going to change everything. Not because you're doing that, because it's the season when God's about to move upon you. He's about to answer your prayers, all your cries and your frustrations and all the things you've been waiting for God to do. God said, I'm about to do it now. I'm about to do it now. It's going to change everything. 
But you need to put down the distractions. He's not going to remove distractions for you. You need to put those things down. You need to see what's more important in your life. What's, what's more valuable in your life? Is Jesus? Is the souls that we're about to bring in? Because you know we're about to bring in an increase of souls. I think people, I was talking to my son the other day. He was like, I don't know. I don't want to get married. Maybe when I'm 40, I get married. He said, I, I said, but well, you're not dating around because you ain't going to be that type of man. You're a man of God. You ain't going to be that type of guy that's messing with all these girls. And then, he said, what? And I said, yo, bro, Jesus is coming soon. You ain't got, I don't know if you're going to make it to 40 years old before Christ comes. I believe that where we at right now, God is about to bring in that harvest. And he don't want us to be stagnated anymore. He don't want us to be stuck in the same thing, repeating the same thing over and over again. It's the season to move forward. It's the season to bring more people in. It's the season to see lives change. It's the season to see your brothers and cousins that don't serve God, that they curse God, to come into Jesus. You know why? Because it says the harvest is plentiful. It's ready. The harvest is ready, but we are few that actually want to go and reach those people. So I want to encourage you today. I want to really encourage you to tell that, that if you were about to give up, if you're about to ring in that bell, I tell you, just hold on. Just go through this week. Just sacrifice some things and see how things begin to change quickly for you. It's our season. It's going to change everything. Everything's going to be changed. What you've been complaining about, what you've been focusing on, what you've been praying about, what you've been worried about, it's all going to change now. Not because I'm saying it, because your father says it. And he's seen the time. He knows the time. He knows what's about to happen. So he's calling us out. So I encourage you today, don't ring that bell. Don't surrender. Don't give in. Don't give in up on your marriages. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on the ministries. Don't ring that bell. Because the cause of you keep going is going to bring in that harvest that we're, we're supposed to bring in. So let's remove all those distractions that got our minds focused on things that are not of God. We put idols and all these things in our minds. It's time to lay those things down and look to Jesus and say, what do you got me to do? What do you want from me? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do this? I don't see money there. I don't see blessings there. I don't see that there. But if you're calling me there, I'm going. So the last thing I say is go. Lay it down and just go where God calls you to be, okay? Don't give up. Amen. I know a lot about running. And I know a lot about that escape button, and I know a lot about me allowing my frustrations and my lack of wisdom and my lack of understanding to cause me to go in a direction that's not healthy for me. I'm not proud of that. I'm not saying that to you because, you know, I give myself a gold star at the end of the day and look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, good job. You know how to run away. In the moment, I feel like it's strength. Anybody ever been deceived by that? Anybody ever think that you've been like, no, that's it, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore? And you, and, and you believe that that's you being strong? Well, that's a lie. Because that's not you being strong. That's you pressing the escape button and convincing yourself in your mind and giving into those lies that I don't have to put up with this anymore. And I'm not proud to say that I've, caught, I've been caught in that trap before. And I've been caught in the enemy's trap where, you know, I've said to myself, I don't even want God to love on me. I don't want him to love me out of this. I don't want to be reminded that he's a good father. I don't want to be reminded that I can be strong in my weaknesses. Like I even make fun of that in my head sometimes. I don't, I don't want that. Sometimes I struggle when we sit here and we worship and Ephraim sings out, I surrender. I surrender. And I'm like, no, uh, I don't. I don't surrender. 
I don't want to surrender. I kind of like how this feels. Strangely, right? It's funny how sometimes we can pick bitterness and anger and resentment over peace and love and joy and hope and God's goodness. It's amazing, right? Amazing. And I found, um, I found this week, I had a grown woman, 36-year-old tantrum. And I thank God for strong women in the Lord who um, have just encouraged me and been such a blessing and have allowed me to have a 36-year-old grown woman tantrum. Thank God for those women in my life who spoke life into me and spoke truth into me. Keyword, truth right? Even with me having my tantrum, it's not fair. It's not fair. But truth. And I thank God for that because I was to the point where um, I was just enwrapped and enveloped in what I wanted, in what I wanted, in what I felt was right. Anybody ever struggle with that? You think that what you think is right. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I know this is right, but obviously the word tells us different. Amen. And so I went to bed. God is just so amazing. You guys, I go to bed and as I've declared up here a million times, I had a dream. God is so good. And he's so faithful that in my 36 year old grown woman tantrum, he looked past it and he gave me a dream to destroy that yoke and those places in me that I couldn't seem to free myself of. And I have been struggling so much just in here and in here, just everywhere. I even tried to pray and I didn't feel anything. And so I went to bed and the Lord gave me this dream. And in the dream, this whirlwind came. And it was a black, dark, cloudy whirlwind like a tornado. And it wrapped itself around me. And it was a small tornado. It wasn't one of these big whirly ones. It was small, but it wrapped itself around me. And as it wrapped itself around me, it began to constrict everything on the inside of me. And when I looked down, it turned into a cobra. And I was like, (gasps) and so I did what I knew to do in the dream was to pray and to rebuke and to call on the Lord. And I did. And that's exactly what I did. And when I did, I broke free. And then I woke up in the morning. And there was more to the dream. And I want to encourage you, if you all have a dream like that or something that really resonates and you can't seem to shake it during the day, and it keeps coming back to your remembrance, take a pen and paper and write it down. Take out your iPhone, open up your notes, jot it down in there. Because those are treasures from the Lord. Those are secrets and mysteries that we ourselves cannot figure out. That's God showing that to us. That's like that song this morning, um, There Are Answers, right? In Good, Good Father, there are answers that we're seeking that only God can give us. And so I woke up and I began to dissect the dream and I got into the word and I, I got on my face before God and I said, show me though, show me why was I ensnared and entrapped in such a stronghold? Because that's exactly what it was. It was a stronghold. It was like a python hold. It was, it was crazy. And it felt stronger than me and bigger than me. And I couldn't get it off of myself until I called on the Lord. And then I heard the Lord say, pride. 
you've been ensnared in your pride. And there are things in your life that you've said, but I want this and I want it my way. And I'm, I'm not proud of this. I'm not. But I make my boast in the Lord that he would come and look beyond my pride and my arrogance and come to the very heart of the matter so that me, his child, could be free so that I could get up here this morning and speak to you. Because he's a good, good father. And so I was like, well, what? And so he was like, well, see, this is not about you, Lee. This is about what I want to accomplish through you. And don't you understand that these difficulties and these frustrations have all been designed so that you can come closer to me? And I heard the Lord say, I'm not the author of these things. I'm not the author of these things. And I don't lead you into temptation. In fact, I make a way out for you each and every single time. But your pride and your arrogance leads you into that place. And so the answer is, Lee, just surrender it. Just leave it at my feet so that I can give you in return all those things that you really need, those things that you don't even know it, but things that you really want. Because sometimes we can magnify our desires to such a degree that we actually begin to believe that that is the will of God for us. And I'm not saying, because the scripture says, you know, God wants to give you the desire of your heart, that no good thing will he withhold, that, you know, that he will cause you to lie down in green pastures and, and, and so that your heart would not want after anything. So I'm not trying to say that God is not concerned with what we want or desire. But like my husband was saying, when, when those desires and those things become bigger than the will and the work of God in our lives, they become a stronghold. And we begin to believe that God is not a good, good father. We begin to believe the, uh, the lie of the enemy that tells us God's withholding this from you. God doesn't want that for you. And then we begin to speak to ourselves and say, well, why am I even trying that hard? And why would I even want to persevere? And why would I even want to go the extra mile? And why would I even want to lay down my plate of food this week and fast if everything that I'm doing is in vain? And nothing will bring me a return. And we begin, and I began to actually believe that. I thank God that for the past 18 years, through every struggle and every doubt and every instance of insecurity and unfaithfulness to God, he has come like a good, good father. And he has turned my wrongs into right. And he has turned my blindness into sight and he's caused me to have vision in very dark dim places sinful places sinful places and after 18 years i'm still brought back to that very elementary lesson of salvation which is repentance which is your will be done not mine you who begun this good work in me, Lord, continue this until the day of Jesus Christ so that I can be part of these laborers that go out and win the harvest for the Lord so that I can be counted among the faithful, so that I can be counted worthy of the call. You know, 
our pain and our struggles are not what qualify us for the call. Does God use them? Absolutely. He does. And without that knowing, many of us would feel hopeless right now. But it does not define your calling. Your pain and your struggle and even your successes, they don't define the call or being counted worthy of the call. We're counted worthy because we see him as enough. We're counted worthy because we are willing to sacrifice and put aside the worldly pleasures and worldly callings and things that seem so enticing to us. And we say, no, I don't want that. Jesus, I want you because Jesus, you are enough. Because Jesus, you are enough for me in this world. Because we continue to say yes in obedience to Christ. That's what counts us worthy. And I know that I'm not the only one in this building this morning that wants to be counted worthy of the call. But I also know I'm not the only one in this room that hasn't struggled with temptation. And that escape button. And that, you know, just wanting to run because... I don't believe things are going to go my way. And so as we approach this next week, as we approach this next week with fasting, because, you know, last week we had prayer and it was beautiful, that fellowship that we had. If you were here on Monday night and throughout the week, we fellowshiped with several different churches, and we're going to continue to do that and being in one of mine and one accord. And this week we'll go into fasting, and I know that for a lot of us that's like, the cringing moment. It's like, oh, God, no coffee. I could, like, deal with no food, but the, like, no coffee thing is, like, that kills me. Like, that has to give me the biggest anxiety out of everything is, like, the no coffee. And, you know, sometimes we have to dig really deep, right? And we have to, like, really prep our minds. Okay, it's fasting week. It's fast. I can do this. Okay, I can, I can, you know, I can lay aside the food and, and, and I, can, I can pray more and I can, but what am I, what am I expecting, Right? And so sometimes we can say, okay, well, if I fast, I'm going to get this. And if I fast, I I mean, I've done this. I'm not accusing you of this. However, I know that I've been like, okay, well, if I fast this year, um, I'm going to see breakthrough for this. And I'm moving in faith, right? But sometimes it becomes very self-centered. And it becomes very much about me just getting what I want from the fast because I know I have to put away the food and the food is really what I want. So instead I just like, you know, replace it with my desires and my wants. Except fasting can't manipulate the blessing of God. Amen. Anybody agree with that this morning? Raise your hand if you agree with that this morning. Fasting cannot manipulate the blessing of the Lord. What fasting does, and I want to just give you a very brief, brief teaching about it. Fasting, what it does is it prepares us to yield to the will of God in our lives, no matter what that may mean, for the rest of the year. At least that's why we do ours now in the beginning of the year. To prepare us to yield to the will of God in our lives, but not to manipulate a blessing so that God would give us what we want. And fasting is so beautiful because it's almost like a filter for our soul. 
It's very much a filter. It's the time where we, like Paul said, we beat our flesh into subjection and we surrender and yield to the presence of God and to the will of God where we can then hear more clearly. Has anyone experienced that when they've passed the plate and they've just heard Jesus? Well, I want to share a story with you in 2 Samuel 12, 16 to 22. And this story is about King David. And this story is about King David and the loss of his child. And how he used fasting as a vehicle not to manipulate the presence or the will of God, but rather to surrender and yield himself. And so it says, And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David, and he was very sick. David therefore appealed to God for the child to be healed. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood by him in the night to lift him up from the ground, but he was unwilling to get up and he would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child had died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that his child was dead, for they said, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he would not listen to our voices. How then can we tell him that this child is dead since he might harm himself? But then David saw that his servants were whispering to one another. He realized that the child was dead. So David said to them, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself with oil, changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came back to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. When in those times, I just want to insert this really quick, Fasting was normally done um, as a time of mourning. It was, it was normally, um, you know, for a time where there was something really wrong that was happening. And so the servants were confused. You know, I don't understand. When he was alive and sort of well, I mean, better off than being deceased, you fasted and acted in mourning. And so it goes on to say, he said, but when the child died, you got up and you ate food. So David said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I thought, who knows the Lord might be gracious to me and the child may live. You see, what's so beautiful here is that David's fasting is a total acknowledgement of God's sovereign hand and his humbleness of heart, how he yielded himself to whatever the outcome the Lord would choose. Not what he wanted, but what the fasting did was prepare him for whatever God wanted from him or for him. And in this fast, I want to encourage you to lay aside what you want. And I know that that's hard. And I'm not just talking about the food. I'm talking about those desires and those wants and those things that we feel like we have to have or we can't serve God. I know that that's a sacrifice. I know that that is. But I want you to know if you lay anything down for the cause of Christ, he will cause it to be resurrected. 
If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will add all these things unto you. And so, like Paul said, we don't have to run after these things that the world runs after or want after them so strongly and and, and sort of tear our clothes before the Lord and say, but I need that money, God. But I need a better position, but I need more acknowledgement, but I need these things. We don't have to do that. We can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then have all those things just be added unto you and then, whoa, like the wonder of God. Because when that happens, you know that you haven't toiled for money, even in prayer. And you haven't toiled for that increase and that promotion and that acknowledgement, but that the sovereign hand of the Lord, because you chose to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, has poured that over you. I promise you that you will be overwhelmed. I promise you that this will change everything. The most beautiful part of this story is that right after... Right after David lost his child, shortly after, him and his wife gave birth to Solomon. His wife gave birth to Solomon. King Solomon. Did you know that King Solomon reigned for 40 years, which was the greatest time in history for Israel to experience prosperity and peace? Not only did he reign in a time and God caused Solomon to reign in a time of prosperity and peace for 40 years, he was also deemed till this day, even by the Jews, the wisest king in all of Israel, the richest king in all of Israel. Now, can you imagine if David would have fasted and mourned the loss of his child and the will of God when his child died, not knowing that God had for him this next child who would build the temple and fulfill the promise of God over David through Solomon's life, and give him an inheritance and a generational blessing that is with us still till this day. Now, isn't that just like God? And oftentimes I'm reminded, and I don't know if you've seen this on Facebook, but there's this picture that I see a lot. And it's this picture of Jesus. Let me not stand behind the pole because I've been corrected about that a few times. Okay, so it's this picture of Jesus, right? And it's this picture of a little girl And so she's got, like, this old raggedy doll in her hand. Anybody ever seen this? Like, an old raggedy teddy bear, right? And this picture, I've seen it, like, three times at least this week. And Jesus, behind his back, he's got this enormous gift. But the little girl doesn't see it. And so he has one hand like this, right? All right, let's try this. Is that going to work? Okay, he's got one hand like this, trying to reach out, like, give me what you have in your hand. And he's got this enormous gift in the back, right, like this. And what is the little girl doing? She's holding on so tightly to what she has in her hand because she's just like, but this is all I have. But what she doesn't see, what we don't see, is what God has in his hand for us. And sometimes we're so afraid to surrender that. 
because we're afraid that what God has for us could not possibly match what we think or what we want. And so as we close this morning, I want to just encourage you that the Lord is for you, that he is a good, good father, and that in this season, his promises are yes and amen. But as you lay aside that plate in however, and, and you know, let me just side note real quick. I know some of you cannot fully fast, like fully put down the plate and, and, and not drink or eat anything. And so I want to make sure that um, on behalf of the leadership and the church that I um, express to you that, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. We want to make sure that you are sacrificing something, right? I mean, that's the whole idea here. Something that feels good to your flesh. It's a good idea to maybe put away the social media that's suggestive. That's not a command in the Bible. Facebook wasn't around in those days. I know my kids probably don't believe that, but it's true. Facebook was not around in those days. But sometimes social media is good to put aside. If maybe you can do a Daniel type of fast, we've done that here in the church before. Maybe your thing is sweets. Maybe whatever that looks like for you in your personal relationship with Jesus, whatever you've sacrificed and put before the Lord, I want you to do it in faith this time. I want you to do it with that in mind, that this changes everything. The way you think, the way you perceive God, seeking first after the kingdom, and it's a very humbling sort of, idea as we move in faith but I encourage you and I know that you can do it I know that you can do it and God will not give you not not give you the grace to be able to be strong enough to carry out this fast to be able to carry out your faithfulness to him and so why don't we stand for a moment Yeah, I just want to, if you feel this, this message was for you to really just surrender things, put things down and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And just like the picture that they showed before, you know that God has something bigger for you. And what you've been holding on to that seems big and it seems like, like forever it's yours, you had it for so long, I think it's time to let that go. And receive what the Father has for you, the good, good Father has for you. So if that's you today, if you're willing to say, yo, Jesus, I'm for whatever you got, whatever, you, whatever you're offering me, whatever you have in store for me, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whether it's nice or not nice, wherever it is, Lord, I want to follow you. And I'm going to put my trust. That's you. I want you to come to the front. And I'm going to ask Ephraim and, um, the, and the worship team to sing that song, A Good, Good Father. Because you're not going into a situation where you're set up for sabotage. You're not set up for danger. There's not going to be um, negativity to the point where you feel destroyed and, and it's worse than now. Check this out. If you ain't following Jesus now, your life is kind of not going the way you want it to go. Why not have Jesus on your side to get you through every obstacle, everything that's, that's damaging, everything that's scary, everything you're afraid of, what the future holds for you. I want you to know that Jesus is already there waiting for you. Waiting with blessings, waiting with wisdom, waiting with encouragement. He's a good father. He's not a father that, that he's, you're expecting to come pick you up and he don't show up. Or he promises you things and he doesn't come through. This is not the father we serve. We saw a father that's loving. 
And if you, as a, as, a, as a person, as we as people that are sinful, do good things for our kids, how much more our Father will do for us, which is perfect. So I just want you in your hearts, whatever you feel in your heart, you know you have to surrender this week. If it's not food, if it's uh, like social media, if it's kind of like talking to friends, if it's certain family members that are negative and you just need to cut the phone off them for a little while, let it go. If it's gossip in the, in the job, whatever it may be, you know your hearts. I pray that you search your hearts right now and see what that is and see if following Jesus is what you want to do because this changes everything. This is about to change. And I pray that in your hearts, you, you will notice that the Father's calling you to be, bring in this end time harvest. He's calling you in all your talents and all your abilities, even in the things that you don't know. He's calling you to bring in a harvest of people. There are souls out there that need Jesus. And just you walking up to them with your lack of education and everything, God, you can just speak the word of God and the anointings are upon you. I just want to tell you the anointings are upon you right now. His children are called. We are his legacy. When Jesus left, he left us a legacy, and we're his legacy. We're the ones that are going to carry out the rest of the, what God has called us to do in this world. When Jesus comes back, he comes back to take the church. He's not coming back to just run things that kind of like, you know, all right, I'm, I'm the pastor now. That's not what he's coming back to do. We're here now to do those things. He said greater things we'll do in his name. So I encourage you now to just receive this song and see how God moves upon your heart.